silly is that? What are we talking about? Let's go do basketball. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hoop Dreams, the basketball podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, of course, powered by Audio-Technica. My name is Matt Tilby, and I am joined by the Patrick Ewing and John Starks of the 8-Bit Collective. I'll let you decide who is who. It's Johnny Peck and Brendan Wine. Boys, how we doing? Prety good. Fantastic, what, what two, my man. How you doing? I'm doing well. After recovering from a, a long sickness and mm. a long off season, uh, I'm doing good now because uh, the NBA is now back. It's now in full swing. Yeah, um, it's been too long. It's been yeah, way too long. It's been, <laughs> it's been far too long. Months even. Um, this is the first episode for us that we get to uh, discuss the uh, the season proper, which is good. Um, we would have recorded an episode around sort of the first 10 games in or so, which would have been a good sort of benchmark. But uh, yeah, I ended up getting quite sick um, and you boys were very busy. So mm. I guess here, here we are. We're yeah. pretty close. It's like we're one 15 in. games in for some teams. Yeah. The others are 14, 13, whatever. So we're, mm. we're thereabouts, you know? I think it's a good good benchmark, really. Yeah. Um, it's been like 30 days of of NBA. So I reckon it's, it's a good time to, to weigh in. Yeah, I think obviously depending on how our availability goes over the Christmas break, it may be uh, a little more sort of scattered. But uh, I think around this sort of, you know, every fortnight is, is not a bad way to do things. But mm-hmm. we'll see how we go. We'll keep you updated, obviously. Uh, keep an eye on the Twitter for that one, which we'll uh, let you know about soon. But, yeah, so we're back into uh, regular season, guys. Um, any sort of particular highlights first up? Anything casual you want to mention? My Raptors don't completely suck. <laughs> So all you haters can suck it. You've been uh, you've been <laughs> kicking kicking up uh, some good wins here and there. You're currently as I look at my standings at the moment. 10 we're and fourth four. in the East. Yeah, fourth in the East. A couple of big scalps. Like we're one of the only two losses that the Lakers have been dealt. So uh, mm. you know we, we've sort of had a couple of big games there. Sadly, we couldn't beat Kawhi in his revenge game. We we literally ran out of petrol in the fourth quarter. Like. We were right there, and then it was just like, mate, I'm tired. Let's go to bed. Let's mail it in. So uh, we're, we're looking okay. We're competitive, but a lot of teams looking competitive. And I think that's that's uh, quite the quite the surprise for me. A lot of these teams that I thought were going to be filth are actually uh, having a crack. Yeah, the uh, the paradigm shift this year seems to be uh, pretty big, um, and we'll be discussing a couple of those teams mm. a bit later. But um, yeah, Jono, anything for you? I mean, I think. Overall, it's just been a really entertaining season. I'm really stoked with the action I've got to see and just some of the storylines that we'll go into soon. But yeah, just some of these teams doing better than we expected. Some of the teams struggling, getting to see whether they turn things around. Teams like, you know, the Blazers and even people that were expected to do a little better in the Sacramento Kings. You know, we've had suspensions. We've had all kinds of drama. So... You know, I, I think that there's been a lot to talk about and I'm pretty keen to, to get into it. Yeah, well, let's jump straight in then. Um, as well, We've got a couple of um, topics that Jono's kindly created for us to uh, create a bit of discussion. Um, and we'll start with our favorite storyline from the, uh, the month it was, or at least the first sort of 15 games or so. Um, and for me personally, um, it's, it's got to be the resurgence or the rise of pardon the pun, of uh, the Phoenix Suns. Um, 
you know, currently sitting in uh, in, in seventh um, in the West. But um, yeah, look, if you'd have told me, you know, probably you know about a month and a half ago that we'd be in. Um, you know this sort of area. I would yeah. have laughed, laughed at you right in your face. But um, it's definitely it's, been it, a surprise, that's for sure. It's it's been a surprise it to a lot of people. It just keeps going. Yeah, we've had we've obviously had a couple of tough losses recently, and um, that's been you know a bit of a, a dampener. But I think especially in the last sort of you know ten to fifteen games, like for the for the start of the season, we've been able to create something that is at least you know we're kicking up a fight. Mm. You know, if we are winning games, you know, we're doing it with a with a lot of flair and a lot of you know very high scoring games. That's for sure. Monty Williams has has got an offense that seems to be very high octane, very sort of fast pace, which um, is great to see. But you know, the the most pleasing thing for me is if we are losing, it's only by you know maybe five or six points. We're right in it, right to the end. And what- um, I want to know what do you think the difference is because obviously there's uh, some great young talent on that team. In uh, my favorite player in the NBA, Devin Booker, who I've never made fun <laughs> of before or, and never said anything bad about. But um, Aiton's been out with the suspension, so mm. th- there wasn't like him taking the next step, getting them here. So why do you think they've been able to get these wins? I think it's purely on a, on a basis of everyone knows their role. Um, and you know, even for guys like Booker, who you know clearly is is one of the the standout performers in the team, he's he's proving to be a lot more unselfish. Everyone yeah. knows their role and is able to contribute in ways that um, seems to work for them. Obviously, you know, when Aiton was out with the suspension, which by the way, like I don't even have the words to describe how just unusual that is. Uh, we win one game and he gets drug tested. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's probably legit, but whatever. Um, <laughs> conspiracy theory. Conspiracy. Um, but everyone knows their role. Like, even when Aiton's been out, Aaron Baines has come in and had, you yeah. know, a career year. You know, guys like uh, Michael Bridges coming and in. And even Kelly Oubre's been stepping up too. I've been pleasantly surprised by a lot of these sort of ancillary pieces. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's coming in and sort of playing their role. You know, guys like uh, Javon Carner, who we all sort of thought was... You know, just going to be a bench player. He's come in and, and and provided some some real sort of stifling offense off the bench, and um, that's that's what I mean. Like everyone just seems to know where their role is and they play their part, um, and they're they're playing more cohesively as a unit. I think mm. what sort of had us down in the dump in the dumps last time was it's just this get get the ball to Booker or get the ball to Aiton and, and just immediately play you know pick and roll almost every time and it just wasn't working like we've been able to jump into something different each time and everyone's you know showing their strengths in this and um that's made us a a much more sort of plucky competitive unit like i was saying like you know maybe the the losses that we had in the first sort of five or six games to i think it was utah and denver when you know it was overtime and we lost by like five points like these teams are right up the top of the league and we were showing mm. that you know we're not it we're not pushovers anymore like which we're, we're really scrapping for it so that's the thing i think we're not we're not definitely going to be right at the top like the lakers are at the moment but yeah. i just think <laughs> the fight that we're showing is 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 really pleasing for for someone who's you know seen a lot of just a lot of you know just giving up over the last couple of seasons so yeah it's been really good 
I'm happy for you. I, ha- I have two questions before we mm-hmm. move on from the Suns. First one is: Do you think they can keep in the you know the top eight seed before the season finishes? It's going to be a long season, and obviously you've got to have teams like Portland and even maybe the Pelicans and Oklahoma City pushing up if they can kind of get their acts together. And secondly, how many games in a row would the Suns have to lose once Aiton comes back for Phoenix Reddit to start planning a trade? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I'll say the first one, the, the big thing is really if we can just keep injury free um, yeah. and, and we, can keep, we can keep sharing the ball. Um, like I said, like that's the, the main thing that was k- keeping us a very sort of potent, very unpredictable attacking outfit. Um, you could see the difference when guys like Rubio uh, were coming back from injury. He w- was providing, I think he's in the top five for assists per game at the moment, which just shows you know how well we're able to distribute the ball now. Um, so I think you know you've got to keep your, your star players as as you know fresh as possible um with the case of Aiton it's it's a tough one because he's going to have that expectation on him as soon as he gets back um but yeah look hopefully he can come straight back in because you'd love to see him working on a tandem with with Baines possibly even moving into a power forward because he's been showing you know he's got he's got the range now um and there's and the drugs well no I meant allegedly (laughs) I meant Baines I meant Baines um, uh, yeah. He's probably Baines got drugs too. Have you seen that top knot? Sometimes, oh, it's gone now. But it's gone now. Yeah, he's 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 lost his partying days. Um, Boston's made him a change man. Um, but yeah, look, I think if you can work, you know, work him into the rotation and sort of ease him back into it, um, I think he can you can provide something for us again. But you know, if yeah. he doesn't have a, a good sort of second half of the year, like if if it's getting close to the uh, the All Star you know, deadline at least or trade deadline. Yeah, I could possibly see a trade happening. Yeah, I, I can't see a trade happening, but I can definitely yeah. see people starting those, you know, that campaign to get rid of him just because that's the fickle nature of NBA fans. Uh, it happens, yeah. Like <laughs> it, you'll have to, we'll have to see. Like the first five games will be a real like litmus test for him to to prove that he, you know, he was perhaps wrong, wrongly um, convicted. But you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh man. Brendan, what's been your favorite story? Yeah, my favorite storyline. My favorite storyline is load management, because <laughs> it is running rampant through the NBA these days. Obviously, Kawhi is the uh, the chairman of the load management committee, but uh, we're starting to see it more and more with some of these other superstars, like Westbrook, for the first time in I think just yeah. about his career. He was rested the other day, and we're going to see mm. this more and more and more leading up to the finals because they want to keep their stars fresh to obviously try and compete better in the finals for the championship. But yeah, Kawhi's opened the door and now everyone's starting to sort of weave their way in. And yeah, it's knee soreness is just, yeah, they, they need a, they need a rest day. They're not playing like people aren't playing on the back end of back to backs and yeah, man, it's, it's tough. It's, funny. it's tough. It's, like, weird, isn't it's, it? a, it's a long season, but like as a fan and, and, the fans in America, like, I think at times they probably have the right to feel cheated if they're buying tickets in the hope of seeing the best players on the court. But it's like, no, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the day off and and make sure I'm, like, not as tired for this next 
uh, you know, away road trip that we got to go on and stuff. Like it's it's a very divisive topic because mm. you want your team to be in the finals, but you also want to see the best players of your team perform. And if you're paying money, I think you kind of like they're obliged to be there. But yeah, it's just, yeah. it's, it's just going to get worse. This thing. I'm in kind of two it's, minds about it because in seasons gone, it would be pretty common to see the superstar players get rested for like the final two weeks straight. Like they just shut people down to save them for playoffs. And I hated that, especially in, in fantasy basketball when like that's your playoffs and you're like, what are you doing to me? You're <laughs> killing me. Like LeBron's resting the last three weeks of, uh, you know, whatever season. So I think load management will stop people from doing that. Keep people in the rhythm as they head into the playoffs as well as being healthy but yeah mm-hmm. it, it does suck just from the competitive standpoint of you 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 want these guys ideally to go out there and play 82 games and head into the postseason full of steam but yeah i guess it's just like a, a sign of, of how hard these guys work now that mm-hmm. bodies can't handle it and the the workouts are different and the practices are different and but you'd think it'd be the opposite though, wouldn't you? Like with all the sports science now, you think they'd be able to maximize the workouts mm. and their, their cool down yeah, routines. You like would. you think of the 90s <laughs> where you've got all these big bangers that their, their workout is probably cigarettes, a couple of <laughs> nights of unprotected Glass sex of and, and a couple of hours in the gym. <laughs> Do you mean the 90s you, or the They play the, the whole season. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's gone the opposite now that we've got all this technology and this, yeah. this medical nous uh, because it's going to preserve the body. Better. But the way that the way that people play is so different. When you remember back to maybe like four or five years ago, I remember thinking like, man, like every team has one of its top three players injured for like only a few months into the season. And whether it was an ACL or it was like, uh, you know, MCL or, or something, it's just like you can see the way that people play, whether it's the explosive nature of it or the faster pace because there's more shots being taken with all these three-pointers. There's longer rebounds and there's more fast breaks. It's just a different ball game to the slow it down kind of post yeah, big man dominant era out, yeah. of, the, of the 90s. So, yeah, it's just different. And I, I think people just need to get used to it because it's if it's working and it clearly worked with Kawhi and the Raptors, then, you know, whatever works, everyone else copies. And the Spurs were doing it years ago. Duncan... I think it was Duncan Ginobili and either Tony Parker or Kawhi got rested in that one game, that national TV game, and they got fined by the yeah. NBA for it, which yeah. seems like a bizarre concept now because people are doing it all the time. But if back then they said uh, it was like DNP old for Tim Duncan, <laughs> and uh, maybe, maybe it was a bit the flippant nature of of that that got the fine. As, and that, maybe that's why the load management term was invented to kind of circumnavigate that policy. I just think it's very interesting that, especially talking about Westbrook, you know, he there was a stat, I think, before he was either injured at the start of this season or at the end of, of last season where they were talking about how he had this huge Ironman streak going for uh, through his time at, yeah. in Seattle and in Oklahoma City. And... Um, before that injury, he would, he just he played every single game, and um, it's just very weird to hear him being like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to take a rest." And I don't know whether that's 
you know, the team sort of saying that or the players sort of saying that. And I guess that's the another big debate is whether, mm. you know, the players are being sort of forced to rest against their own, you know, their own better judgment uh, because the team's making the decision. But um, it, it, it definitely seems weird when players who have been playing a lot of games and, and have been sort of in that peak physical condition suddenly have to, you know, rest because it just doesn't seem like something they'd want to do. Like for someone as competitive as Westbrook, he'd want to be out there 82 games. He'd want to be out yeah. there your four, almost 48 minutes if he could. Um, so it's it's a very sort of weird debate to have um, yeah. and it, it, it will rumble on for years to come. But yeah, I, it's, it's just going to be something that we have to live with now. I, I just think they need to not extend the season as in above 82 games, just limit these where they've got like four games in five nights and this ridiculous crunch mm. in the season like extend the season by maybe a month so you can lessen that type of yeah. frequency because then you'd see less less of these load management dmps yeah it's 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 a weird like american sports will always have that sort of uh that backlog of games especially in comparison to say like you know if we look at the english premier league in in soccer where they're playing only one game a week 38 games and that's over well, almost nine months um <laughs> they they even still complain about sort of load management especially when you're bringing in you know european games and bunch and, you of know, pussies cup, that's why <laughs> cup games yeah <laughs> diving and yeah. taking fake shots exactly but um, yeah that never happens in the nba <laughs> exactly harden's a warrior all right <laughs> he gets punched every time he hits that lane <laughs> yeah but i think yeah it, it's an interesting discussion purely based around the schedule and I mean the schedule's been like that for you know ever since I mm. could walk as a baby like it's been 82 <laughs> games for donkey's years yeah, so yes. whether we're going to see a change in that sort of schedule format is you know remains to be seen or whether Adam Silver's going to have to you know work something out to to change that um, it remains yeah. to be seen it's funny because like everything they say points towards the season being too long the big too many games from mm just the logic of their reasoning for certain rules and for certain like justifications for these things but there's just too much money lost by cancelling or by shortening the season to say i think 65 games is kind of where people mm. or 70 games mm. is that sweet spot that people are talking about but yeah it's it's also like we've seen what happened when you know the lockouts came and, and swept through american sports and you saw how how much money you know the league has lost mm. so I think any sort of shortening of games would, um, I wouldn't say cripple the league, but it would certainly put a big dent in yeah. uh, the popularity of the product for sure. Well, the thing is, if they do, if the league loses money, players lose money because they their earnings are based on the basketball yeah, related CBA. income. Yeah, so yeah, exactly, it's a catch twenty two. Exactly, but yeah, uh, yeah John, have you got uh, a quick story? I do. Or a- There's two things I want to say before I give my story. Uh, the first. I think you said Seattle with Westbrook, did you? Because he never actually uh, played for Seattle. He just got he got drafted by them and then they moved instantly. That is that is good. Yes, uh, just uh, a bit of trivia. Um, I, I think they wore Seattle section. jerseys in that year a couple of times though. They may like have homage. Yeah. yeah, but there's probably a listener out there going, you know, you know, <laughs> uh, maybe so, yeah, getting ready to write a mean tweet. Just delete that tweet. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to say is I'm already sick of hearing about load management, so I hope the conversations <laughs> will stop soon. And the other yeah. thing I'm sick of hearing about is the coaches challenge. And I, I wonder whether that 
new rule that coaches can, you know, challenge a call in the last few minutes. It feels like no one likes the rule, uh, even the coaches. So I don't know. Even Do like th- like Doc Rivers hates it, but it won him the game the other yeah. day, pretty much. So <laughs> yeah, it's one of those figure, right? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it'll be around next year. I'm glad they're trying something different, but yeah, we want to make the end of games quicker, not slower, and it's not really helping with that. Anyway, hundred percent. My favorite storyline comes in the form of uh, Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns. Oh <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh yes! I'd been I forgot this happened, yeah. and oh the beef is the beef is so tasty. It is, it it is. So we we Um, got, to to recap, I guess, these guys have had a a couple of years of of rivalry in the league. They're both, you know, very dominant big men in their own way. And Embiid is the trash-talking savant in many ways. He he just knows how to get inside people's head. He came into this season saying, I'm done trash-talking, you know, I've elevated myself to a new plane of existence. I've evolved, (laughs) you know, I'm taking things seriously and then what was it like six games into the season if that he's out there throwing uh elbow or elbows and pushing and shoving with cat and then just calling each other out on twitter and instagram what a, a day in the nba that was like it was one I, of the i, I can't remember that. what else happened that day it was something massive and then we also i think steph curry got injured that day too but there was just like a, a crazy day in the nba yeah, like I think the hashtag that came out of that that Carl Anthony Towns was sort of uh, purporting, um, and obviously if you're a, a younger listener, we we don't recommend you use this hashtag. I think it was hashtag I ain't no bitch. Um, yeah, no nah, kids, uh, use use that hashtag. You know, just <laughs> let your followers know that you ain't no bitch too. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a rallying cry. That was for- Embiid. <laughs> yeah, Embiid was saying that. That was he said it in the press conference as well. <laughs> yeah, and it was. I, I think the 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 lasting image that I'll get from that, uh, or two things, was Carl um, Anthony Towns using the the picture of Embiid crying after the uh, the Raptors game, <laughs> which will probably excite you, uh, Brendan. Um, and the lasting image of uh, Ben Simmons putting uh, Towns in what could only be described as a a pretty solid rear naked choke and yes. tapping him out like it was the UFC. So, yes. um, it was great. Yeah, just a bizarre, bizarre scenes. And, and really the return fixture for the, for that game is going to be, uh, yeah. pretty, pretty spicy, I think. So it's just, it's, it's good for the NBA, I think to have these moments yeah. where, you know, no one gets hurt. There's a couple of game suspensions, you know, there's some great memes to come out of it. Uh, it brings back the good old-fashioned trash talk. And we have social media to do it now, so we actually get to see what they're saying to each other. Uh, exactly. I, I always, I've always been championing uh, a YouTube channel that does like lip-reading of trash talk in the NBA. I think that would be like a goldmine because I always want to know oh, what they're man. saying, but I, I can't tell. Uh, but the, the other side of it is uh, Jimmy Butler getting drawn into it by Embiid who's clearly talking about Jimmy, I think in one of his posts he even tagged him, um, yeah. and, and just kind of throwing Jimmy into the discussion. And uh, Jimmy, as you would expect, kind of wondering why he's been called into something that he's got yeah. nothing to do with. I think I think as long as, as he lives, I think he's always going to be associated with the uh, the Minnesota incident and uh, mm. you know bringing the, uh, the third stringers along. But... Uh, 
yeah, just a, a wild, wild altercation. Um, the other part of that is that Cat's just been balling ever since. Like he's, he, has, he really yeah. has. Like what was he? Like seven of nine from three the other day or something. Yeah. Like whew. he's the reason that the the Timberwolves are right in there with Phoenix as as pushing the playoff. Like he's there, the eighth seed at the moment, and Wiggins surprisingly playing well. Like he's it's good to exceeded see, yeah. expectations. Like I think after the past five seasons or however many he's played already. We kind of felt like we know who Wiggins is. He's never elevated to the next level. He's hasn't proven himself to be an all-star talent despite having so much hype around him. But, you know, as I've heard other people point out, he's only 24 years old. Some people come mm. into the NBA, like Damian Lillard came into the NBA at 22. Uh, so he's still got a lot of physical prime. And yeah. I, I just like that he's he's finally using those those gifts like mm. he he was coming into the league as like Canadian LeBron and he could be the next best thing and he could defend and he could score from everywhere but that was just he was just taking these weird like contested fading deep twos the entire yeah. time but yeah. now he's taking it to the rack he's dishing out like he's his career high so far in assists rebounds I think mm. his shooting percentage is the best it's ever been. Uh, so I'm I'm loving seeing him round out his game and and find himself as as you said though Jono he's still in the pup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I guess we could probably jump into a few quick um, sort of notable stories uh, before we move on. Um, obviously, the one that's happened in the last, well, I guess probably six to eight hours. Ben Simmons has officially hit his first <laughs> NBA recognized three point shot. Um, he is now 100% from three point land. <laughs> Um, and long may it continue. Um, if he if he develops a, a actual decent jump shot, like we've said for years and years, like he's gonna be he's gonna be dangerous. Yeah, um, he could be anything. You know. Yeah, exactly. I think the the way that he was sort of moved into point guard sort of you know um, alleviated those flaws that he had. But I think now that he's been, I guess, I guess Brett Brown's given him the green light to uh, to you know light it up from three pointer, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think mean, it's especially... a confidence thing. I think he just needs yeah. to see the shot go down, which he has now, and yeah, just start taking taking the shots. Brett Brown said, "Mate, you you nail enough of these threes, and we won't make you play for Australia again. We know you hate <laughs> playing for Australia. You come out and nail fifty in a season, and we'll give you the pass again." Well, the the news coming out obviously in the last couple of days that. Well, the Boomers are trying to finalize a deal to bring uh, Brett Brown back for the Olympics. So um, it could mean good things for both Simmons and uh, Jonah Bolden, but yeah. we'll we'll have to wait and see. But um, the other, well, I guess the other major news was the uh, the very very quick downfall of the Golden State Warriors. Um, the dynasty's over, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, as we know th- it. This year think- it is. Yeah. I think it's going to be funny. Can a dynasty funny. have a down year though, and then come straight back up? Like that's that's what that's... I'm. That's what I like. Feel like they're probably going to tank, or they are tanking, and, and whether it be by choice or otherwise, like they are the worst to watch at the moment. I think it's dead this year, but I think the there's some smolder in the ashes. I think mm. they'll probably luck into the first overall pick or something <laughs> like that this year, as as God NBA forbid. seems to seems to like these stories. And they could grab someone like Wiseman to, to chuck at the center spot or they could grab someone like Anthony Edwards to play at the shooting guard spot. 
trade D'Angelo Russell at the deadline, get some more assets there, and then come back with with Steph, with Clay, with say Edwards, the rookie, Draymond. and then uh, Draymond Green, and they're right back in it again. Yeah, I think it, it's it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, I guess teams we've seen before that have you know done really well, but then faced big injuries and had to kind of retool. Whether it's mm. the, the Lakers after after Shaq left and things took a, a while for, for Kobe to take them back to the playoffs again or even this go back a bit further in the Spurs when David Robinson went down they tanked and ended up with Tim Duncan so it could be the the best thing that happens to the Warriors long term if uh if things fall their way if the ping pong balls fall their way as well but it's almost like a blessing in disguise if they were going to be struggling to even make the playoffs you know just sneaking into the seventh or sixth seed for curry to go down and it looks like draymond has some niggling injuries that they'll at least say that are keeping him out of games i think that they can keep clay out for a full season he can come back completely fresh and they don't have to try and rush him back for the playoffs so. mm. yeah yeah they'll, they'll yeah. be back They'll be back yeah. bigger and better and stronger. And, and like that pick they gave up in the Russell Durant trade, I think it's protected one through 20. So they're keeping that pick either way in the next mm. draft. Like there's no way they're going to finish as one of the 10th best teams of, in the league this year. So uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, get them ping then, pong balls, boys. Yeah. And in the meantime, exactly. everyone can enjoy watching them lose and, and beating them just for one year. They nearly got well. blown out by 50 today, didn't they? Yeah. I'm, like, we'll we'll talk Lord. about the Mavs in a second, I think. But yeah, they would. Well, yeah, we're, we're going to be moving on to uh, another sort of uh, another point that uh, Jono had given us um, a little while ago. His your most infatuated player, a player that you've been sort of noticing, um, turning heads to over the past hmm. sort of month or so. And Jono, there's a particular young uh, European player on. The, I am uh, in love with Mavs. Luka Doncic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, he, this guy is so, like, he's so dreamy as, as far as being an NBA fan. I just love watching... Oh, he's not bad looking either, let me say, but I just love <laughs> watching Luca play. It is so fun. He's so talented. I'm going to sound like I'm in love with him, but it is just awesome seeing a, a guy come in like this and be so good at, at such a young age and just have such a command of the game as well, like... To be mm. in your second season and in that conversation for MVP, whether or not he's got a chance or not, he's definitely, I think, top three performers of the season so far. He's basically he, averaging a triple-double. Yeah. He plays like he's a 10-year you know, vet and he's only in his second year. He plays with no fear, which I think is something you very rarely see from at least any rookie or young young player like especially in his rookie season last season he was mm. you know shooting threes over James Harden to win the game like and and acting like it was nothing the the kid has just this insane ability to to act like he's got no pressure on his shoulders and he clearly does cuz he's got the 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 weight of all of the expectation of of Dallas Texas on his on his shoulders but yeah the the way that he's been able to gel with KP and create a, a bit of a um, or a formidable duo with them. It's been great to see. Yeah. I, I mean, today I think... w was a great example. Um, 
oh sorry Brendan but just like today watching I watched the third quarter he had 33 points at half time as well as like six or seven assists and rebounds and in that next quarter his shots stopped going in he was 10 from 11 his, his shots stopped dropping but he continued to have a massive impact on that game by setting up Porzingis with some sweet lobs and grabbing every rebound stripping the ball off guys like just seeing him do this on both ends it's like watching a overpowered created created my player in 2k the way that he can just do everything and he's like six foot nine or whatever and he yeah it's it's i i just get so much joy out of watching this mavs team who without him on them would be you know not a whole lot of fun but instead they're like must watch tv and i'm pretty sure they're like six and five or around like six and four seven and something around there they're they're not they're they're nine and five nine and five yeah so they're winning a lot of games for a team that people probably didn't tip to make the playoffs so i think that if they can scrape into the playoffs as like a, a seven or six seed i think luca has a good chance at being a dark horse for mvp especially if mm. Uh, LeBron gets rested with with load management. If if Anthony Davis has the same, it's it's pr- it's pretty much going to be, be between him and Giannis, I think, and and maybe James Harden if Harden can average forty points, as he as he almost is. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I, I think obviously what what you both were talking about with Luca, it's it's because he's just got such an old head on his shoulders, like because mm. he's been playing professional ball since he was like sixteen. I think he made his debut for Real Madrid way back when so he's he's used to playing against men as opposed to some of these kids coming out of college that are just playing yeah. against kids and most often they're the best kid in class type of scenarios so his games just translated to it and I'm, I'm with you Jonah. he's one of the best best things to watch in the nba at the moment like he's he's still just so young and there's so much untapped potential there but it just looks effortless mm. to him out there on the floor like he's the the mavs leading rebounder leading um assist man points per game and minutes yeah. per game at the moment. His shooting percentages aren't the best, but like, you know, for him to be to be pulling boards the way he does, as well as distributing the ball the way he does, it's it's great to watch. And yeah, him and him and the, the unicorn seem to be getting a pretty good rapport with one another. Mm. Mm. I think it's the f- f- what was the stat I, I heard today? He's like number four as far as like players to average this many rebounds in their second season, but everyone ahead of him was like some behemoth like Shaq, Dwight Howard and Andre Drummond. <laughs> yeah, there was also a stat I think just today that happened after the game. I think he was the youngest it's an NBA pulls out these weird bullshit stats, but I'll read yeah. it anyway. Um <laughs> youngest youngest player to reach three consecutive 35-point triple doubles and he ended up yeah. uh, breaking the record set by Oscar Robertson. Um yeah. and we like all know how good Oscar Robertson was, ago. so yeah, 50 years, but, 50 years ago. But it, it, regardless of when it was, like that sort of, there's a reason why that feat stood for as long as it did. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, <laughs> he's he's making history, and and you know, it's so weird because you see guys like Giannis who come into the league and um, take that time to develop and eventually mm-hmm. become an all star. He's playing at that sort of Giannis level, but you know he's only twenty. Like, and it's scary to think of when he's in his prime, in his sort of, you know, 26, 27, you know, a couple of years down the line, how freakishly good this kid is. Mm. 
I, f- I forgot to add too. He's also leading the team in steals. So uh, he's yeah. he's the category leader for four major categories for his own team. Like he's he's a beast. Yeah. I wonder how valuable it was to have Dirk around for that one season as well. Just that leadership, someone to as a as another Euro who struggled coming over when he did so many years ago to just be able to like take him under his wing and, and show him the ropes. I know the NBA has changed a lot since then. People are a lot more accepting to, uh, to having international players and there's probably a lot more ways to integrate them than there was back then. A lot more care and thought put into it. But yeah, just to, to have that guy there and say, hey, this is your team now. I think that that's huge. And like having Paul Zingas there, I was thinking today, if I was Chris Stapps, Paul Zingas, and, and uh, if I was a Knicks fan... How could you blame him for wanting to leave? Because he gets to play with mm. Luka Doncic, catch alley oops <laughs> from this like, you know, kindred kindred European spirit. Uh, I mean, the stars align. They'd be having so much seriously. Fun. Yeah. Hey, he he and Julius Randle could have made some real noise in <laughs> NYC. All right. Him and uh, their six point guards that they can't exactly. decide which one's the starter. Yeah. And seventy-five power forwards. Yeah. That's all that team's built on. But anyway. Exactly. Uh, Brendan, who have you been infatuated with over the past month? I, I figured someone was going to go with Lucas, so I uh, I went uh, in another direction. I want to give some uh, some love to old Ja Morant, who has been just on a great tear with the Grizzlies. Mm. Sadly, the the record is pretty much the inverse of, of the Mavs. They're at five <laughs> and nine at the moment, but you know, averaging over eighteen points a game, six assists, uh, three boards, nearly a steal a game, and shooting at a pretty good clip. Like he's forty six percent from the field and 41% from three at the moment. And he's just got no fear. Like he's just this lanky, wiry 20, 20 year old point guard that just throws his body around with reckless abandon, like just drives in the lane, just makes contact, doesn't shy away from it. Like he just gets in there and it's like watching, watching someone play pinball. It feels like, like his little, little flailing body is just like, eh, and he manages to either get the foul or, or sort of get it in off the glass. Like, he plays very fast. He reminds me a bit of Derek Rose in just the speed mm. and just that sort of fearlessness he plays with. And mm. um, yeah, he's certainly living up to the billing at the moment as far as a, a hyped rookie coming through. Like obviously second overall pick. So the pedigree's there, but he, he's certainly uh, checking those boxes and, and certainly you know winning on the eye test for me and, and I'd say a fair few other people out there. Yeah, I think the, the sort of, as we sort of mentioned with Luca, that sort of fearlessness when he's on the ball... Um, you know, going up against guys like Kyrie Irving, you know, that, that shot he had to win the game against uh, the Brooklyn Nets, or at least tie, I think it was. Um, and then just to go straight back down the other end and block Irving right in his face, which was, you know, you don't you don't really get to say that sort of stuff too often. But yeah, he, he just plays so fast-paced, so, you know, 100 miles an hour, you, you can't help but sort of pick it up and notice him. Um, and I think... With a team like Memphis, that's that's always going to be sort of evolving. It's probably the best way to put it. Uh, with a young team, um, he's only going to get better with the the players around him. So um, he's probably a little bit more of a work in progress than Luca obviously is. But um, there's certainly some really good things to look out for him. Yeah, I thought you were going to go with Siakam for sure, Brendan. Just the, the, the way that he stepped things I, up. I got to take. It's impressive. I got to take those Torontonian coloured glasses off sometimes, you know. So, um, oh, yeah, Siakam's man. doing great things, but I'm I'm really digging Jamarin. I'm love watching him, and yeah. 
he's on a team that doesn't really have much, so he's actually making them a little bit more watchable. And um, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for that little bugger. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Siakam will be making an all-star game this year for sure. Oh yeah, he is. He Hit is with a shout. Just that, but even on like on the raps front, I don't want to dwell too much. But OG Ananubi has been the biggest surprise packet for me on that Raptors team. Like he has stepped up in a big way. Like career high in points the other day, twenty four points. Uh, he's you know safe as house from the three point line for his sort of set shots. His defense is fantastic. Like he's been locking down dudes left, right, and center. So um. It's good to see the young fella in the tight short shorts start to ascend a little bit as well and earn his earn his minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, for me, it's it's a little bit different because um, my my player is probably not as much of a sort of main, um, I guess, ball handler for this team. Um, but I picked I picked Tyler Hero from the Miami Heat. Um, he has really just surprised me purely for how i guess sort of silky smooth he seems to play he seems to have this very just you know no frills um very sort of slasher you know especially in the um especially in the sort of uh you know the early 2000s when you describe people as slashes they were sort of driving through and 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 picking things up but um i found that the way he was able to just you know, shoot long range or cut inside was, was a very sort of productive, um, thing for him. So, um, but I think, you know, even, even with the team that he's on and it's a very good Miami heat team, which has surprised a lot of us. And I'll be probably talking about them in a sec, but you know, 14 points a game, almost five rebounds a game, like, and he's shooting at about, you know, 40% from, from three, which isn't too bad. Um, but he's just got such a silky smooth shot. Um, and I love those sort of guys who, can really sort of, you know, if he's going on a Kyle Korver sort of level and just jump into the corner and um, knock down threes, you know, until the cows come home. So um, he is another player, I think, who's got, you know, he's a bit raw at this point in time. He's he's got a bit of untested sort of potential, but on a team with guys like Dragic and Jimmy Butler, he's only going to get better. Yeah, I love when you get these players coming in out of nowhere, really. Just a a Devontae Graham is a great one in charlotte who i nabbed on both my fantasy teams after one game and he's just been really stepping into that kemba walker uh mold as a attacking point guard he's averaging like seven or eight assists a game and and last year i think he only played about eight minutes each game so yeah similar to to over in miami it's interesting when there's a hole and and someone has to step up and fill it in and it wasn't terry Rosier, or it hasn't been Terry. It's been Devontae Graham. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's see what we can do in terms of announcing our prediction mulligans because mm. we did quite a bit of predicting over the, uh, I guess, the winter break. And uh, we made some, I guess, very generous predictions for some and, and I guess not so generous for others. But um, look, I might as well jump on this one and, and say that... Um, as I had predicted or had just mentioned earlier, I doubted the Miami Heat. Um, with the team that they had, there wasn't a lot of joy um, and a lot of sort of, I guess, fun to be had with a team that was going to be run around uh, by Jimmy Butler, um, who seems to be, you know, ruling every team he goes to with, uh, you know, an iron fist. But, 
you know, you're looking at the standings, they're 10 and 3. You know, they, they were only one game mm. away or half a game away, I should say, from uh, from top spot being held by uh, uh, both Milwaukee and Boston. But you, know, you, you just see the, I guess, the excitement in that team. They're, they're playing with no fear. They're very reckless abandon. Guys like Butler, obviously, contributing um, on both ends of the ball. And he, he missed, you know, a couple of games as well. But... And even then, like guys coming through, um, Justice Winslow had you know, a couple of big standout games. Tyler Hero, as I mentioned earlier, had a couple of big standout games. So they're getting contributions from every sort of area of the team. And um, they could be one to watch. I, I think if in the same sort of vein as Phoenix, if they can keep all of their players sort of injury-free and, and rotate them well enough, I think they could be um, there or thereabouts in the Eastern Conference because it's, it's a very sort of... You know, once once you hit sort of fifth or sixth place, there's a bit of a drop. So I feel like they're going to be there or thereabouts for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm similar. Like I think that I had a bit more confidence in Miami than sounds like you did. But there's definitely been a few sides who have underperformed. Uh, the Warriors, I feel like it's hard to throw them in this category because they've had some bad luck with injuries. The Steph Curry injury being the main one i did think that they would make the playoffs so obviously if we could go back and predict the future that would be something i wouldn't say uh the blazers i still think have a chance to turn things around it's probably more the success of or the relative success of the suns and the raptors both of you boys i've probably picked on them uh both a little and have been surprised so far but we're only a month in it's a very small sample size, so we'll see if, <laughs> if both of those guys can hold on. Exactly. Uh, Brendan, for you? Truth be told, I had to think about this for a while because I throw far too many hot takes around and can't seem to remember <laughs> most of them in, in most aspects of my life. So I had to sort of go back to the well and have a think of who I was sort of poo-pooing more than others. And, and I think the one that I was probably, well, not really hardest on, but one that I remember sort of saying I was skeptical about was a little bit on the Rockets and I didn't think that they were going to be as good as they were and I was Mm. not under the belief that Westbrook and Harden could coexist. Uh, Obviously, they used to in a former life, but Harden was nowhere near the player he was today. And especially for a team that's dealing with the injuries they have and like they're shallow as anything at the moment, but they just keep, blowing the barn doors off these other teams and yeah Harden Harden's going to average 40 points a game this season which is just insane like his nearest I think the number two player as far as points per game is averaging like 30.5 this guy's Mm. averaging 10 points more than him like Mm. it's 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 2k numbers it has to slow down it has to it's like a a my career yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A guy that just like you just shoot the ball every time you touch it. That's pretty much what it looks like at the moment. Because he's not shooting well. Like if you look at his percentages, he's I think shooting it's like... better. The first like five six games was woeful, but he's he's yeah. getting a little bit more stroke back. But yeah, yeah. So so that one was a surprise to me. Um, another one that like I can't remember how how much I talked about it, but I thought. I thought the Clippers might look a little bit better than what they do. Like they had some some good signs of of impressiveness and dominance in the, in a few games, but then others they sort of just got 
they got picked apart here and there like without without Kawhi they're mm. doing all right and now George is back so we're probably going to see them ascend and level up now they've got their two prize recruits uh, hey look on they, the, on the they're lineup. a good team but if if you can't beat the Suns man like <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah but um I don't know I, I and one one I guess I'm surprised to see the Nets in the eight at the moment for like the team they have um like Irving's great but Outside of that, it doesn't really move the needle too much. And losing Levert just the other day hurts their wing depth even more with with KD out for out for the season. But yeah, I don't know. The heat the heats are certainly a surprise. But you guys already mm. touched on that. Like yeah. I didn't I, I think, didn't see them looking as good as they have this early on. The Hornets are one too. Just with on Charlotte, like I thought they were gonna flat out stink, like as bad as the Knicks kind of. And they've somehow managed to win like five or six games already yeah they're six and nine at the moment they're just outside the eight yeah. dinner for two <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's so weird with the eastern conference because like you could feasibly get into uh, the playoffs with a losing record in the east um which just is not a, a great sort of you know vote of confidence for the talent coming through the eastern conference but that just me- does mean like even teams like i'm looking at the standings now brooklyn orlando charlotte even the Bulls are still scrapping around that sort of that eighth seed. Oh, uh, their so. Bulls aren't making the eight. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they're poor Bulls. I, they I, do I not can look vouch very for good. that. <laughs> They've had moments like Kobe White's looked good, and Markadens had a few flashes of brilliance, but overall the wins just aren't happening. Yeah, I think I think Orlando's going to jump into that sort of I guess that yeah. you know eighth seed and I guess as we talk about uh, infatuated players just quickly mentioning it's it's great to see Markel Fultz sort of realizing his potential he's really um, jumping back into the, the form that we all really wanted him to to jump back into so that's been really good but um, yeah I think in the east it's it's going to be a, a bit of a dogfight uh, between a whole bunch of teams that you know really aren't that great but you know it, it's so weird to think that the record that would get you into the playoffs in the East would have you, you know, 11 or 12th in the West. So it just, just goes to show how, uh, how different uh, these conferences are. Mm. We'll see, mate. We'll see when it's all said and done. It's still early days. The East is very top heavy, but it was for years like top four heavy. But now I think it's maybe six, debatably seven, like well, definitely seven when Durant's back healthy, but, it's it's getting a little bit more balanced, but yeah, the West is still where the majority of the powerhouses are. Mm. Mm. But uh, we're going to move on to another topic of discussion. Um, and Jono has listed this as, who would you send to boot camp? Um, and I guess this is probably a discussion on players who probably haven't been at the races, haven't been um, either showing their, their physical form or their, their basketballing ability. Um I guess, Johnny, because you wrote this one, I, I feel like you mm. should start us off and give us uh, an example. Yeah, I had someone in mind when I wrote it. Uh, and it's inspired by my fantasy basketball team. This is just like a, a, a way to talk about who we've drafted because, you know, I've got Luca, I've got Gasol. Mark Gasol is my player to send to boot camp. Just, I don't know how you feel about him, Brendan, as, as the Raptors fan, but... He's just not doing it for me. I thought that he still had some life left in him, but we haven't really seen it offensively. He's averaging six and a half points a game on 33% shooting and uh, not really imposing 
his will as we've seen him do in the past. And I know like last season with the wraps, he was not a whole lot better than that as far as the output, but the percentages were, were there. And he was coming out of Memphis where prior to the trade, he was averaging close to 16 points a game. So I kind of figured, you know, it's a new system for him. He's kind of working his way in there. They've got some established scorers. But with Kawhi gone, I thought that, you know, Mark might step up. He might get back to his Memphis numbers, but it just hasn't happened. And I know that Toronto's doing just fine with him playing that way. But as far as I'm concerned, send him to boot camp, let him get some of that scoring efficiency back. And just when he's able to score, he adds so much to the offense of the team that he's on because people have to you know, respect his shot, respect how he's able to create offense uh, as a as a ball handler, but even his assists are down to three a game, which the lowest he's had since his 2010-2011 season. So that's my nomination. What do you think? I I'm I'm with you in in a lot of those parts. I think like obviously yes, Raptors fan here, so I, I watch a lot of their games and and he settled into the role of just being like the 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 defender in in the paint like and that's that's his primary focus like his defense is still all defensive player which obviously he's taken out in in years past many moons back now but like yeah he settled into just being a defender and he just takes his shots when they're there like i think he's what's the only shooting maybe he's probably only having about six attempts a game i'd say it it feels around there so so it's the lowest of his his career just about outside of maybe his rookie season or something like that but yeah, he can still stroke it, and, he, and he's he's developed a good three-point shot over the years, but he's just um, deflecting and, and sort of distributing that ball out and, and yeah, keeping the ball going. It's it's a very team-oriented focus with the wraps, but I'm with you. Like I loved seeing him when he was a 1A or 1B option at Memphis back in the day when he was averaging, yeah, 16-odd points, 10 rebounds, a couple of blocks, few assists, and some threes. Like, he was a hell of a player. One of the... Like very underrated big man um, in all mm. facets of the game, but yeah, now he's just the the spark plug for us. He's the he's the defensive stopper. He he locks up that paint, makes it not easy for for anyone that gets in there to try and get a shot. He's always contesting and always fighting, but yeah, sadly he's focusing more on the D and less on the O. Mm. Do you think he's probably just enjoying a bit of a uh, a World Cup hangover? Yeah. <laughs> I hope he stays relevant though, because he's a great, you know, p- player to have in the league with such like a unique set of skills. And we see kind of Jokic being the maybe slightly more athletic and a more able version, and the younger version of of what we've seen from Gasol as far as being a ball handler at that position and also being able to d up on on the big men and and score in the post. So I, I don't want him to go away. I was kind of sad at how quickly Power Gasol faded. He had a great, like, he's had a great career and it was just, he went from like 15 points a game to irrelevant in the space of like yeah. two seasons. Well, he just got released from the Blazers, didn't he too? Like, and they're talking about mm. moving him to like a coaching role or something now. So he's pretty much retired just overnight, like walked out the back door. Picked up his yeah. ball and went and, home type of thing. So. And, and Mark's 35 years old, so it's not unusual for someone of that age to drop off. It's just the way that he plays. I was hoping that 
you know, because he doesn't rely on athleticism, that he, I was hoping he would have a, a few more good years left in him, the way that I guess Tim Duncan and, and that kind of player would. Yeah, I thought I thought with Lowry and Ibaka going down, he'd he'd shoulder more of that scoring load. But just some of these other pieces, like your, your Van Vleets and your OGs and things like that, have just and the bench have really just stepped up and and are taking those shots the way that I reckon he probably should have got a few of. Because yeah, he's a he's a hell of a player still, even though he is in his mid thirties. Mm, definitely agree. Um, yeah. So that was yours, Jono. Uh, Brendan, what do you got for us? I'm I'm sending Hassan Whiteside to boot camp. He, he, I don't know. Like he is just mailed it in. It feels like where we're like not even a quarter of the way through the season, and he seems done. Like um, just just no real purpose on the defensive end. No real effort. That he doesn't even like seem to put his hands up when he's sort of trying to guard anybody. He won't chase anyone out to the three-point line and he won't really, you know, back someone down in the paint. Like, he's just just taking his, taking his points and getting his rebounds, trying to fill up the stats. Contract year for the guy, so you think he'd be having a go, but he just seems so disinterested out there. Like, he's like, yeah, I guess I'll grab this rebound. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'll put my body up against this dude, but I'm not going to put my hands up or anything. Like, he takes a shot, he takes a shot. Like, it happens. Like... And Portland is so thin at like with big men at the moment. Um, he has a, had a real chance to, to do something. And if he was having more of a crack, maybe he wouldn't have seen the mellow signing. You know, if, if uh, Whiteside was stepping up and, and asserting himself as, as say, the, the third string player in this team behind McCollum and, and Lillard, we'd be talking differently. Like their record is, is rough and that's probably in no small part to his just minimal care factor it seems like out there like i watch him and it's just so frustrating like yeah it's just it's some bizarre. little angry kid on the court like <laughs> yeah it's funny because he's the kind of guy that if you don't watch him you think that he's really good just based on yeah. his numbers You're like oh f- like 15 points a game 12 rebounds a couple blocks that's awesome like uh, yeah that's the kind of guy you want in your fantasy team that's the kind of guy that you that people want to land as a as a team but when it doesn't come with wins or it doesn't come with effort, it's just hollow. And that's the reason that, you know, Miami fans were basically driving him to the airport to get rid of him. Yeah, but, like, they get rid of him and who do they have play at the at the five? <laughs> like, Mello might be their biggest mm. guy to play there with Nurkic out, so <laughs> I don't know what they do. Yeah, Nurkic really can't come back soon enough. Yeah. yeah. Will we see him this year, you reckon? Maybe at the very end of the season? From that I can't break. remember. Yeah, it was it was ah, be before the playoffs, wasn't it? Yep, yep. But yeah, so I'll jump into mine, um, and I'm going to say that we need to take Joe Ingles to uh, to boot camp. Ah, uh, not Ingles. Oh, shade at Joe. Yeah, I saw Joe him Ingles. release the waivers in our fantasy team as well. Yes, that's what I'm looking at at the moment because I'm looking through his current game log, um, and. You could argue that his his production's been sort of hampered by uh, the I guess resurgence emergence of uh, of Mister Bojan Bogdanovic coming through uh, and playing in his position. But you know, even some of the the stat lines that he's been giving three from eight for field goals, one for five for three point. Normally, you expect this guy to be a pretty you know trusting, reliable uh, source from three point land. But yeah, he's he's got twenty seven minutes in that game um and and 
luckily he was able to equal uh, Conley's seven assists in that game. But I don't know if he's, you know, he's been sort of forced out of that position and it's sort of affecting him because obviously last season he was, I guess, the go-to guy for them at the small forward and was as very much uh, like a pick and roll sort of shooter, um, a, a, a you know decent d- defender for sure. But yeah, like looking at this, this last run of games, like for points, he's got three, 12, 5, 3, 11, and 1. So, like, it doesn't seem like he's been injured for, for any sort of stretch. And, yeah, it, it's sad to see, obviously, that the patriotism does shine through at <laughs> times. But you'd think that, you know, he'd be able to get get a bit more of a, a role in. But, you know, he's just definitely been, um, I guess, sort of shut out. And I think even the time that he has had on the court has, has not been as productive as he would have liked. So... I think if you know if he did go to boot camp and, and get a bit more of a you know a workout, I think that he might be able to come back a, you know a better sort of more determined player, and we might see something off the bench. Yeah, the the shooting percentages just haven't been there this year. From you know what we've come to expect from him is way below his averages, and I wonder if it is just a, a small sample size, or if it's maybe that new offense with. Conley involved and him having a slightly different role but I would think by the time the season's over it would have kind of steered back towards his his average mm. and it's it's such an interesting point because obviously he's, he's now the sixth man for the team and and like you said guys like Conley and uh, Bogdanovich coming in sort of they make them the the primary ball handlers I, I guess or they're at least the primary shooters um, obviously, you've got Donovan in there as well, but it, it's a bit mm. different. But yeah, it's it's a tough one for him. I, I think you know, if if injuries happen, he could really sort of stake a claim. But at this point in time, he's he's in a bit of a uh, a no man's land at the moment. All right, so our last topic for the night. It's been a bumper episode uh, for us tonight. Um, we're going to end on, I guess, uh, a bit of a, a statement. Uh, that John has written. It's uh, we'll all start with this the, with the line. It's only been a month, but um, and we'll go from there and, and sort of use our um, our experience in delivering hot takes or um, observations for the league and, mm. and see how we go with that. But uh, Jono, you want to start us off? It's only been a month, but Dwight Howard is a relevant NBA center again. <laughs> Can you yeah. believe he it? Fights, he sticks up for his teammates instead of fighting with them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he he came I, to bat, to bat for uh, KCP on Instagram. So yeah, it's a new Dwight. Geez. It's a new Dwight. I feel like he's doing what Carmelo needs to do, which is just accept that he's not the player he was six years ago, and that he's you know playing within his capabilities. Not trying to do hook shots in the post. He's just setting good screens, blocking shots, tip backs. You know. It, it, a big part of it is probably playing with someone like LeBron James and Anthony Davis and knowing without a shadow of a doubt that he's not the star and that he's not expected to be. But yeah, it's just, it's great to to see that players, especially ones who've had as many personality problems as Dwight Howard, you know, he's been, he's been on so many teams in the last five or six seasons and every single fan base has been happy to see him go like like Whiteside they were probably happy to drive him to the airport but to see him be valued 
and effective in a supporting role is really encouraging. And you know, hopefully, other players who go into decline at that point of their career can see the example and do a similar thing. Well, you're seeing mm. that with Rondo there as well at the moment. He seems to be mm. uh, accepting uh, his role as a as a distributor for that for that um, Lakers team as well, and they're playing some great team ball like they're they're winning and, and the majority of their shots are two pointers too they're not going this new age stroke it from three type of uh mentality that the, the warriors brought in they're uh yeah, a lot of a lot of two points i think they're, they're shooting over 65 percent of their shots are from like a two pointers so yeah i'm with you but i'm uh i'm gonna go with this hot take it's only been one month but james harden is going to average 40 points per game and win his second mvp Okay, yeah, not a not a bad shout. Um, Over Luca, <laughs> he's, he's taking the headphones off. You can't see it, ladies and gentlemen. He's taking these headphones off and he's walking out the door. He's he's, he's raging. He, he's freaking out. Um, why is that? Do you think? I I just think like that's that stat alone, like forty points a game, like that hasn't really been done before. Uh, and when he is he is scoring ten more points than anyone else in the league when it is becoming more of a scoring and shooting league i think it's a testament to harden like i hate the way he plays for the most part i hate the the dribble 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 iso ball deep contested two or three or driving the lane and flay around like aimlessly to, to get the call i hate that but man this this guy is just the epitome of instant offense and he's shooting at a good stroke uh He's, he's sort of working out how to coexist with someone like Westbrook who is similar type of mentality and, and ability um, as far as from sco- from shooting. But I think it's going to come down to what they do in the finals. If Harden and the Rockets give it a good shake in the finals, I'm not saying they have to become the, the world champions, but if they can win a few rounds and, and get that monkey off their back and off Harden's back where they are sort of finals choke artists combine that with mm. 40 points a game um mate it's it's really hard to dispute like he he's averaging over six rebounds seven assists uh it's he's he's averaging two steals at the moment which is the highest of his career um he's he free throws he's shooting at the highest point of cliff of his career and get the line more than he seems to have ever has again which is bananas. So yeah, I think the beard's going to be a two-time MVP and uh, forty points a game is going to get him there. It'll be a historic season, and uh, time will tell whether that uh, rings true. He's certainly got a couple of uh, contenders uh, up on his back. I know that one, Mister mm. Doncic, will uh, have something to say about it for the season ahead. <laughs> but uh, it's only been a month, but the Philadelphia 76ers are treading on thin ice now. I'm looking at their record now. They're currently 9-5. and five. Uh, They were, of course, one of the teams that I think went on this crazy eight-game winning streak to start the season. They were one of the, I think, the only team at that point uh, to have not lost a game. Um, and then they hit a road bump called the Phoenix Suns. Um, <laughs> and then they, they have... They burn bright, those Suns. They do burn bright, finally. But uh, from then on, Philadelphia went on a a one and five record from that game. Uh, So they now sit at nine and five in the fifth position. Uh, Indiana currently um, over their shoulder at eight and six. I fear that 
if they don't go on a consistent run and at least sort of keep pace with the top four, which is obviously Boston, Milwaukee, surprisingly Miami, as we've mentioned tonight, and the Toronto Raptors, they could be drawn into uh, that sort of dogfight that we were mentioning um, earlier in the program with the guys like Brooklyn, Indiana, Orlando. It's hard to say why. Like They've got a great team, and we know that year in, year out, they've, they've got a, a good young team who can really uh, dominate on their day, but... I, I, it's it's very hard to see them sort of keeping pace with even you know Milwaukee or Boston who have just been lighting it up this year. Um, and we all sort of thought that they would sort of take that next step uh, following Kawhi's eventual departure from Toronto. We all s- sort of thought, okay, now that um, Kawhi's gone, that the Raptors are going to fall back into the the mid uh, the middle of the pack, and we might see Philadelphia take that that next big step, but. You know, having Kemba go to the Celtics has really been that spark plug for them, and they've you know they've gone on like a house house on fire. And he's settled in so well to that team, hasn't he? Like he has, yeah. And the it, fact it he's a... playing with good good players just about the first time in his career, like <laughs> he looks fantastic. I hate the Celtics with passion, but mm. I love watching Kemba play. Yeah, and I think the weird thing for Philadelphia was they didn't have a lot of change. I feel like, like we had discussed earlier, they'd filled their, they'd filled the jigsaw pieces correctly. They'd seen a lot of players go. Jimmy Butler went, obviously, mm. and they filled him with a pretty, you know, awesome. solid, solid player in the form of Josh Richardson. So, um, and they even got Al Horford, who we we all know is is a, a you know a fantastic veteran presence to have. But yeah, I just worry that you know maybe one or two major injuries, um, and they could begin a pretty sort of sharp um, sort of fall down the Eastern Conference table. And, and once you sort of get past maybe fifth or sixth, like we've said, yeah, it, it could be a, a, a bit of a, a scrap uh, going on. I, I still feel in my guts that for them to truly ascend, they probably do need to trade Simmons unless he develops a, a decent jump shot and, and gets a bit of range on it. I think selling him for some big assets to fill those spots to complement Embiid and, and Harris, sorry, and, and, and Horford. And, and Richardson's been a sneaky get. He's averaging nearly 15 points a game for them. Uh, he's on my uh, Wesley Snipes' tax agent, NBA ESPN <laughs> fantasy team, by the way, uh, leading leading the APIT Invitational with a 28-4 and four record at the moment. So uh, not so humble Jeez. brag there. But uh, yeah, yeah um, Josh Richardson, he's... he's He's fitting fit nicely and giving us some good offense. But yeah, I'm just curious if, if for them to get to that next level and, and be a perennial title contender and, and sort of get over that hump, is that going to be with Simmons or is it going to be with a few other pieces that have been obtained from trading away Simmons? Because he is, he's a unicorn of a player. Like that size and that sort of uh, passing ability and, and playmaker ability is, is un- like unheard of for someone with that type of height. And, and even his stature, like he's, he's a fairly stocky dude too. He's not like a Brandon Ingram who's 25 foot tall but weighs 20 kilos. Like he's, he's, mm. he's well built for a, for a guy that plays the point. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like Philly, Philly don't look like the, the top one or two alpha dog team that I think we all probably just assumed they would be going into this season. Mm. It's, it's such a weird sort of position to be in. Um and I hope for their sake that they can sort of push on and, and make a, uh, a big shout of it because 
it, it benefits everyone when the sort of top six teams in the Eastern Conference are all really competitive because obviously when it gets to playoff time, you have absolutely no idea because, um, you know, in, in seasons gone by, it's always been like a one or two horse race. Um, but yeah, I think if, if we can get a couple more teams in there like Miami and, and like Indiana, um, it should be a really fun sort of season ahead. But um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty much it for uh, our episode tonight. But uh, it has been a lot of fun talking actual season basketball with you. Um, if you would like to give us any questions, queries, concerns, complaints, uh, you can always do so with the hashtag HoopDreams. You can always follow us at WeAre8Bit. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Tilby. Jono, where can they follow you? At Jono himself. And Brendan? At Brendan8Bit. That is all for us today. From me, Matt Tilby, and my colleagues, Jono Peck and Brendan White, it is goodbye for now. Take care. Keep dreaming. Boom shakalaka.